1 Samuel 14.23, which says, So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. And so what had happened here? Well, uh, we saw uh, uh, Jonathan, the son of Saul, um, who Jonathan was a great man of God, uh, didn't like the fact that there was um, one of the 48 cities that had been designated a city for priests uh, being occupied by the enemy, the Philistines, who were um, most hostile uh, to uh, the word of God and to God himself and God's people. So he attacked it. Uh, the, uh, uh, it, it appears from the language that he freed the city. The Philistines got word of that, lined up uh, against Israel with an army uh, the size of, um, with numbering um, the men in the army, numbering the, uh, the sand on the seashores. Uh, and thousands of iron chariots uh, as well, and um, 6,000 horsemen, 1 Samuel 13, 5 says. And so uh, it says the, the people um, at the time, they were terrified. Uh, they were living in caves, thickets, rocks, and holes and pits. Uh, they, uh, verse 7 says they were trembling, uh, but uh, 600 of them uh, left the caves. They left the Thickets. Thickets is, uh, we have them here in New England, they're kind of briar, large briar patches type of thing um, where you, no one wants to go into a thicket. Uh, it, 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 you, you know, you get poked and injured and it's very, very difficult to, uh, to get through. Well, they were living in that in order to, because they were so scared of the Philistines. Well, 600 of them came out. And then it uh, says that, uh, you know, all they had, they didn't have swords, only Saul and Jonathan had a sword. Um, what they did have were their, their farm instruments, sickles, pitchforks, goads, which are used to poke an oxen, uh, this type of things, and uh, plowshares, which is used to uh, dig up the soil. And then uh, Jonathan once again um, goes out apparently against another Philistine outpost, just him, his armor bearer, and um, he, he begins to defeat them. Prior to going out, he says to his armor bearer these famous words, First uh, Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, he says to his armor bearer, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. You know, before we go on, one of the things I missed last week in this is one of the reasons I love that verse, it's one of my life verses, is because there's no presumption on his part. It, notice how he says, notice how he says, it may be that the Lord will work for us. And it, too often in the body of Christ, God told me this. Might we have the humility of Jonathan and say, you know, I think God told me this. And as Jonathan says, and, and so I'm going to act on this. And, you know, it may be that the uh, Lord will work for us. And if he does, man, awesome. And we're going to go full force. But if he doesn't, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, and so they move forward. Uh, there's a great victory. The 600 uh, people who had come out of the caves, out of the thickets, 
um, left leaving the vast population uh, in those places, uh, but 600 of them had um, the courage to get out, and a great victory ensued, ending in which uh, verse 23 is referring to, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. And so then we pick up in verse 24. So um, if we could just pick up there in your Bibles, 1 Samuel 14, 24. Sam, could you bring me a, a glass of water? If I could get a glass of water, um, that would be great. And so it says in verse 24, And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had placed the people under an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until the evening before I take vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Verse 25, Now all the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping. But no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father. Father charged the people with the oath. Therefore he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in a honey comb. And he put his hand to his mouth and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. For, no, for now, would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ajalon, so the people were very faint. And so let's talk about this for a while. Uh, you know, Saul had... Uh, a great beginning. We saw that in 1 Samuel chapter 11. There was a real humility, uh, humility in his life. Um, but as we're going to see in chapter 15, if we, if we get to chapter 15, that uh, although he, he started well, actually small in his own eyes, and the prophet Samuel is going to tell him in chapter 15, you know, you started small in your own eyes. But that has ended, and, 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 and now you're big in your own eyes, and, and so he, 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 which is not a good thing. Pride has, has set in, and um, we saw in uh, the, the previous chapter that uh, uh, he had been asked to wait um, to, by Samuel to, um, to go into battle uh, seven days, and to wait for Samuel to go into battle, and there was going to be a burnt offering before the battle. He didn't want to wait. He took on the office of a priest. He, he made the offering on the altar himself, even though he was not a priest. And, and again, that pride had settled in. He was no longer small in his own eyes. Why can't I? I'm the king. Why can't I? I'm perfectly capable of doing something that a priest 
could do. And so uh, we saw that in chapter uh, 13. And in, here in chapter 14, uh, again, a very, very uh, troubling thing going on here. Uh, he, what he does, uh, remember, so they're in a battle. They're in the midst of a battle. In verse 23, it says, the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon, meaning the initial battle was won, but it shifted to a different place, to, so they're still in the midst of the battle. But then it says in verse 24 that the, that the, the people, the soldiers, began to become faint, weak, why? Because Saul had made a very foolish oath. He, he had put people under an oath saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. Now, does anyone just looking at that verse see a problem with it? <laughs> does anyone see a problem with it? Uh, there, there's one problem uh, which is really obvious, and that is who in the world would send the, uh, their men into battle when they, without telling them they, they should eat before or eat during the battle? Any, any student of warfare knows that uh, the only way that an army is going to win if, is if there's constant provisions to reinforce soldiers as they're marching forward in this type of thing, um, food and supplies and that kind of thing. And um, uh, here, what, what it is, and, and, and this we're going to see over, we're going to see a number of times with Saul, he's religious, he, 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 he does things to come off as, and, and, and even convince himself that he's a religious man, but he has no relationship with God, at least at this point, very little relationship with God. It sounds really religious to say, you know, I'm not going to take any food until we, we have victory here. That sounds really religious. It, 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 you know, from time to time, uh, someone called me the, the, the other day and they said, you know, I'm going to pray for this person and, and I really feel like I need to, to fast for, I think they said, five days um, before I pray for them. What do you think? And, and, and I said, well, be careful. Uh, although, you know, there's, Jesus does have, a, Jesus does have a, uh, that statement, I think it's in the book of Matthew, where he says, some things only come out with prayer and fasting. Be very careful about adding your own religious kind of rules um, to just the simple word of God. God, as a general rule, um, God does not put fasting as a requirement of answered prayer. Uh, He doesn't require fasting before preaching, just so everyone knows. I make sure and eat prior to preaching. I ate right before um, I am teaching tonight on Sunday morning. I, I eat before I, I preach. And uh, while it may come off as really, really, really spiritual, ooh, you know, I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to fast before I deliver the Word of God. I, not saying that might never be God's will. As a general rule, 
energy is needed uh, to uh, declare the word of God or, or do the work of God, it certainly is needed to go into battle. So w- Saul is forever trying to convince others and convince himself that he's religion, religious. That's because in his heart, he knows he's in rebellion. But if he can just do these religious things, um, if he can just do these religious things, well then, you know, uh, maybe he can convince himself that he's okay with God or that, that he's on par with God. Uh, and, and, and that's a big problem with this oath. But there's another more subtle thing here that is a big problem with this oath. Um, he says here, Cursed is the man, verse 24, who eats any food until evening before I take vengeance on my enemies. So anyone figure it out? By the way, I'm kind of uh, accenting the words there. What's the problem with it? It's that word, I. Notice the difference. He, he, says, he, he, he says his big, his big uh, goal, his major goal, is that he take vengeance on his enemies. Now contrast that to... Uh, to Jonathan in, in, in the, really in the same chapter, but uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 6, what does he say? Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised and defeat them. Do you see the difference? What did we say that uncircumcised means? It, 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 in this context, context, what it means is someone who has no regard for God someone who despises God and his people, someone who ignores God. Of course, they're physically uncircumcised as well, but, but, um, but the real point is, is Jonathan wants to vindicate God. And, and, and here Saul, in, 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 in the same chapter, in verse 24, he wants to vindicate himself. Do you see the distinction? We're going to see it later when Saul is, uh, he, he's going to make monuments for himself um, after this victory and, and things like this. Uh, Jonathan is vindicating the glory of God, and Saul wants to vindicate his own glory. And he's doing it in a, such a foolish way. Uh, but um, uh, so he, he, he gives this foolish oath. Um, but Jonathan, remember, Jonathan had left. Prior to everyone else, he had left the camp at the beginning of chapter 14, uh, unbeknownst, unbeknownst to his father, and so he didn't know about this oath. And so he, uh, he, he sees some, some honey in the woods, and of course the honey, he's like, well, praise God, look what the Lord did. He's giving us provision right in the middle of uh, of this battle, and, and he takes some of it, and his countenance is brightened, I mean, his face brightened, all of a sudden, the energy, his color comes back in, and the people say, oh no, verse 28, your father strictly charged us not to do that. He said, cursed is the man who eats food this day, and uh, interesting, Jonathan says, well, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened. And then he says in verse 30, how much greater would the slaughter of the Philistines have been 
had it not been for this foolish oath, meaning the army would have been eating, it would have been more energized, it would have been able to defeat the army. Sounded really, really religious, this thing. Yeah, I'm just, no one's going to eat until we get the, um, uh, till we get the, uh, the, the defeat. But in, in, in fact, it was a foolish oath, it was a selfish oath, it was a prideful oath. And so, uh, nevertheless, incredible the mercy of God, and, and part of it, I believe, what's really going on here is Jonathan led them into Bible. They still beat the Philistines back. Verse 31 says, they drove them back that day from Michmash to Ahalon. Uh, but it still says there that the people were very faint. So um, at that time, in verse 32, the people just couldn't take it anymore. And it says, they rushed on the spoil. And they took the sheep, the oxen, the calves, the slaught, and slaughtered them on the ground, and the people ate them uh, with the blood. Now, the Jewish law we read as we went through, um, we went through Leviticus and Numbers, uh, it, there was a requirement to drain the blood uh, from the animals prior to eating them. But it just this is. Poor leadership 101, uh, the, the, the leader who's supposed to be a leader, the, John chapter 13, the, um, <clears throat> the model that we have for leaders is a leader is washing the feet of the people who is leading. He's doing precisely the opposite. He's literally driving them into sin here by his, his foolish, foolish um, uh, oath that he required everyone to take. Verse 33, it says, They told Saul, saying, The people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So Saul said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. And so, uh, what is that about? <laughs> Some people go to Saul and say, All the people are eating meat, and not only that, they're eating meat that hasn't been drained of its blood in, in occurrence, occurrence with the law. Now, in accordance with the law. Now, Saul loved the obedience of the external law because it was, it was something he could do, again, to convince himself that he was righteous before God because he knew full well he didn't have a heart for God. And so when he says, roll a large stone to me this day, what he is saying there is, oh, okay, if the pe- listen, if the people are just rushing to eat at this time, at least let's get a rock and drain the animals of the blood and then let the people eat. Um, again, he, uh, I'm not minimizing the importance of the external kind of law uh, in the uh, Mosaic law, but here, um, you know, Saul can latch on to this stuff because its external obedience is really what he is all about. And so um, that's what he does in verse 33 and verse 34. It says, Then Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Bring me here every man's ox, every man's sheep, slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people... Uh, brought his ox with him that night and slaughtered it there. So uh, he made sure that the, the, the meat had been drained of its blood. And, and we'll see Saul doing this. When it comes to external righteousness, he is really a man who 
followed the law uh, in many respects. It's been said a lot that in, if externally, if you can just look from the outside, Saul was a more righteous man than David in terms of uh, external righteousness. Uh, you know, Saul didn't uh, commit adultery. He didn't murder the man of the woman he committed adultery with. Uh, he, uh, he, he didn't take uh, uh, bread like David did at Nob uh, that had been, uh, of course, David got permission from the, from the priest. When David, David showed up, he needed bread. His, his, the mighty men were famished. He said, look, do you have any bread? And the priest said, all I have is the, is the, the, table of the, the, the bread for the table, the showbread. And, and that had been removed, which was only supposed to be eaten by priests. David ate that. But, 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 but Saul, externally, he really was into uh, compliance with the law. At a later time, we'll see that he kicks all the witches out of the land. So uh, he's rebelling inside of his heart. He loves external righteousness, though. The, 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 the problem is, is that God, of course, cares what's inside our heart, right? That's why he says that David is such an example to us all. He is a man after God's own heart. God, show me what your heart is. Show me what your heart is behind all these laws, Lord so that I can follow them with love and understanding. Um, but he makes sure the people don't eat here any meat that uh, has blood in it. Uh, verse 35 says, Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the fir first altar that he built uh, to the Lord. Now Saul said, uh, uh, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they, meaning the other soldiers, said, do whatever seems right to you. But the priest said, let us draw near to God here. So what, here's what's going on here. Verse 36, they have, the, in the, first, uh, in the uh, first 24 verses, there's a victory at one place. Israelites, over the Philistines, and verses 24 through um, uh, 31, there's a victory in another place, and Saul wants to continue the pursuit of the Philistines. He wants to continue to defeat them. He wants to continue the battle. So he says, hey, let's go down after them at night and plunder them. And then some of his, I don't know, his cabinet or whoever's ministers uh, are, are saying, okay, um, do whatever seems right to you. We'll do it. But then a priest says, wait a second. Let us draw near to God here. I love that. We go verse by verse here uh, on Tuesday nights because we don't want to miss anything. Thank you, priest, whoever you were. <laughs> Uh, he, 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 he's, he's asking them to come into prayer and not to assume anything here. Don't, don't just assume because the Lord has given you two defeats. Uh, rather, he's given you two victories. Don't just assume because the Lord has given you two victories that you're going to have another one. Bring the Lord in. Now, the, there is a, an outstanding contrast to this at the time that David 
first is anointed king of Israel. And that is in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Same players. The Philistines come in. Um, when they find he has been anointed king, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And then next part of the verse, and David just went to him and battled him. No. <laughs> it says, and David, when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold um, and uh and it says in verse 19 of 2 Samuel chapter 5, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Shall I do that? And uh, wonderful. I love this chapter. Um, the, the, the Lord says, Yes, to David. Go up, for I will doubtless deliver them into your hand. So David goes. He defeats them. David returns to where he was, and then the Philistines come back a second time, and then the next verse says, and David went right out after him. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. It says, and, the, and it says there, David inquired of the Lord again. So we might think, well, of course, the Philistines, the enemy of the land, they, I defeated them the first time. God wanted me to go the first time. Certainly I should go the second time. No. David doesn't assume that. And guess what? David says, shall I go up against them? The Lord says, no. <laughs> he says, go around to the back. And he did, and there was another victory there. But um, uh, here, Saul says, let us go um, um, up, and, and uh, the people around him are cheering him on. Yeah, do whatever you want. A priest says, cool out. We need to ask the Lord here. Now, you know, we're in a time right now, this coronavirus um, outbreak, where you guys got to be praying. I got to be praying. We all need to be praying. I, I can't tell you how many examples already in this, the, the, we've been in crisis mode for what, about two weeks now? A little over two weeks, two, three weeks maybe? I can't tell you how many times that... Uh, even mature believers have just goofy imaginations going in their head. Just fears about their own health. Fears about what something is happening here. What something is happening there. And then they gather to pray. And then they leave the prayer session just strengthened by the Lord. I mean, just, last, uh, just, just last week, I, I had... Um, a, signif a significant issue on my hands that I had to address and all kinds of weirdness coming into my head. I got on the phone with Pastor Ra Robert, uh, the Calvary Chapel pastor in Miami Beach, Pastor Brian, uh, the Calvary Chapel pastor in um, Peru, and Pastor um, Alex, who um, has now handed off Calvary Chapel in Fortaleza, Brazil. We get it, we're on the phone every other week and we pray together. And I got to tell you, just us encouraging each other. Uh, you know, we were talking about the gift of encouragement in Romans chapter 12, uh, praying for each other, giving each other counsel. I left a different man than I came in. If you're isolating yourself, brother, sister, Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, the man, the woman who isolates himself, herself, rages against all wise judgment and does so to their own ruin. 
whatever you do, pick up the phone, pray with people, call me. Uh, if you have my number and, and, and there's no one else to call, call me, please, during this time. The, the Lord has made it so clear to me. The, our church is, going, is becoming greater during this time. It's becoming stronger during this time. We're going to um, come out of this season um, a stronger church, a more beautiful offering to the Lord, uh, one in which we're trusting the Lord more, one in which we've gotten into habits of prayer that we were never in before. We've gotten into habits of reading the Word of God that we were never in before, but also just mutual encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, as long as it is called today, encourage each other, lest your heart be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. If you're taking notes, Write that down, Hebrews 3.13. If you're not taking notes, take, write it down anyway. Hebrews 3.13. As long as it is called today, meaning every day, encourage each other, lest your heart be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And I just love this. Um, it, it, you know, the people were cheering Saul on, yeah, go get him. The priest said, hold out, let's pray. And, you know, it's a pretty sad scene what happens next. Verse 17 said, so uh, Saul asked the counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And so instead of just holding on, um, he has to do something because this is Saul. And we already saw that, right, in the previous chapter um, I believe, was it uh, chapter 13? Or was it chapter, no, it was, uh, it, was it chapter 13 or chapter 14 where he's inquiring of the Lord and um, he doesn't hear anything. And so he says, well, I, we just need to go attack them anyway. Um, I, I'm looking now where that was and I don't see it, but... Um, Trust me, and if you were here with me last week, uh, that happened. So he didn't wait before, and he uh, doesn't wait now. And so um, uh, he, he, so he, he comes up in verse thirty-seven, and he says, "Well, he asked the counsel of God." Uh, um, rather, verse thirty-eight. It says, "Saul said, well, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today.'" So he's thinking that the Lord is not answering him because of a sin. And we're going to get to it. He's referring to someone who didn't obey the very foolish oath that he made. So he's not going to wait again for the second time in a couple chapters. He's not going to wait for the uh, answer from the priest. Remember, there, there was the breastplate of judgment. There was the umen and the thumen. At that time, kings went to the priest, and he used these, these two stones, um, and the Lord just used them to, uh, the Lord used them, or the priest used them to determine what the Lord was, was talking to them. Today, we have the Holy Spirit. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. We don't need the Urim, we don't need the Thuman. But this is a, a different covenant. It's the, it's the old uh, covenant in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the covenant we're in is called a better covenant. There's a number of reasons for that. Among others, we don't have to use the Urim and the Thuman. Uh, but, so Paul, uh, Saul rather, can't just say, okay, um, 
I, I'm not hearing from God. He has to do something. There must be a reason I'm not hearing from God. And he, he calls all the people together, the chiefs of the people. And in verse 39, he says, as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. So um, what he's doing here, let me just back up and just repeat again what he says. Come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan, my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. Then he said to all Israel, you be on one side, and my Jonathan uh, and Jonathan, my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And so what's going on here is he, he's basically drawing lots to find out who sinned. Who was the one who, uh, or really a better way of saying it is, who didn't abide by his oath? Who did not abide by his oath? And uh, it, 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 so they cast the lot, and the lot eliminates everyone else except him and his son, is what goes on here. And then in verse 42, it says, Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. And verse 43, uh, then Jonathan said to then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you've done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I, I must die. And so, you know, in the Old Testament, again, the Old Covenant, we have the Urim and the Thummim. We also have lots. In uh, Proverbs 16.33, it says this, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And uh, that is sometimes the way they determined things in the Old Covenant. Again, not something that we do today. It's not something that we do today because we have the Holy Spirit. It was done in the, uh, I, th I believe it was done in the book of Acts chapter 1 to uh, come up with the, uh, the 12th apostle. But it's certainly not a rule that we follow today because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Lord basically, in his mercy, in his pity for mankind, as he's drawing people to ultimately a better covenant, he is, in his mercy, allowing, working with what the people used. And one of the things that they used uh, was a lot. So the lot fell to Jonathan. Jonathan said, I took a little honey. Um, so I guess I have to die now. Verse 44, Saul says, God so do and more also for you shall surely die, Jonathan. So the, what's going on now is Saul's pride again. Remember Herod? He made a very foolish oath to his wife's. It wasn't really his wife. It was, I believe, his brother's wife but he took her as his own wife. His wife's daughter uh, did a dance that was so impressive that um, he said, ask me anything that you want, 
Um, asked me, the, half the kingdom, and I'll do it. She runs to her mother, I want the head of John the Baptist. Yeah, I want the head of John the Baptist. And he's stuck because he made a foolish oath in front of all these people. And his pride, because of his pride, he went ahead and killed John the Baptist. Because of his pride, he's going to kill his son. The son led them into battle. Uh, so a foolish oath. We saw, that, we saw this, by the way, with Jephthah in the... Um, you know, in the book of Judges, we went through the whole analysis. If there's a foolish oath, a truly foolish oath, you're not bound by it. Now, go back and to that, that lesson in the book of Judges to explain what I mean by that, because you don't want to be calling a foolish oath just because you think it's foolish, um, but someone else may not think it's foolish. For someone else, it's like, no, that's not foolish. You, you promised me that. Uh, and now, <laughs> now I want um, uh, you to give what you promise. But um, this is clearly a foolish oath. Um, he says, okay, Jonathan, you're going to have to die. Verse 45, but the people said to Saul, shall Jonathan die who, was who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So what's the one thing that Saul should have done? And, and we've seen this before. We see it now. We'll see it again in the next chapter. He's, he's just going to say, you know, you're right. I was wrong. I made a foolish oath. I never should have done that. Uh, you know, God, forgive me for doing that. Same thing in the, in the previous chapter, chapter 13. Lord, you told me to wait seven days, and I didn't. I was wrong. Lord, I went and did an offering, and I wasn't a priest. I was wrong. There's a pattern here, and uh, it's a lack of repentance and uh, he's not serious about his own repentance. And uh, we're going to see that again in the next chapter. So verse 47, uh, as we're, we're continuing on here, says, Saul established his sovereignty over Israel, and he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zoba and against the Philistines, wherever he turned, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jishui, and Malkushua. And the names of his two daughters were these, the names of the firstborn Merab and the name of the younger Michael. Verse 50, the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimeaz, and the name of the commander of his, his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner was the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him for himself. Now remember when the people were crying out for a king and the Lord said, and Samuel was very grieved because 
God was supposed to be the king, not a, a, a human being. Uh, and, and God told Samuel, look, I'll give him a king, but please warn them what's going to happen when you, they get a king, uh, that, um, uh, and so, uh, Samuel did that. He warned them and he said, look, this King's going to take your sons, uh, to be in his army, your daughters, uh, he's going to take them too. He's going to take the, uh, your, your, your grain. He's going to take your grapes. He's, he's going to take and take and take and take. And so right there, um, in verse 52, it's a forced draft there. So, when Saul saw any strong man or valiant man, he took him for himself. The kingdom was not about God. It was about Saul. And um, that's going to change. But there is a reason why it says at the beginning of verse 52, there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And that was because Saul was disobedient. Now we'll see complete peace with the Philistines um, during the reign of David. During the reign of David. Um, because, of course, David had a heart for God and he obeyed. So the Lord did give him rest. Saul never got a rest from the Philistines. Okay, let's go into chapter 15. Hey, uh, Sam, can you check with Danielle um, about what time the prayer groups are going to be ready? Thank you. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel, now, therefore, heed the voice of the word of the Lord. Be careful to, to obey the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both of man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telium, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 uh, men of Judah. And so here we see uh, God ordering Saul. It's literally God ordering Saul. He's telling him to do it. Go and attack the people of Amalek. And he, well, let me first explain who the Amalekites were. Um, it, it says here, um, it says here that in verse 2, he wants to punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel um, when they were coming up out of Egypt. When the Israelites were coming up out of Egypt, remember, uh, they're a weak people at that time, uh, but there was about 1.5 million to 2.5 million of them. The Amalekites came up from behind them and they killed the people who were lagging behind. And uh, they, they, they killed the, 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 the old people, the sick the women and children who were lagging behind. And this was an exceedingly great sin 
before the Lord. It was an exceedingly great sin before the Lord. And in the book of Deuteronomy, um, God says, I'm going to judge the Amalekites for that. Uh, this is one of those verses that reading it, verse 3 is, with a, a modern kind of mind, uh, uh, and I put modern, I, I'm using uh, the word modern, uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, in a way that I'm not in, in the slightest saying that um, you know we're, we're more enlightened. We do have the Holy Spirit. We have more of the Word of God. But the, the modern, um, let me let me put it like this: the, the 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 modern mind, which has not been saturated by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, uh, is going to look at something like this and say, "Oh, this is so terrible." He is ordering not only the death of men and women, but also infant and nursing children. I'm not saying for a second, by the way, that it's not a legitimate question. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this, that, that there are people, um, atheists, um, spoke of one of them last um, Sunday, Daniel Dennett living here in Boston, Richard Dawkins. They use um, verses like these to basically go out and promote their new atheism. There's no such thing as God. And by the way, the God that you do have, uh, look at what he does. And so we discussed this in Deuteronomy where there was a, a similar uh, command by God in the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's probably worth uh, reviewing here. What are we supposed to make of this in the year 2020? Uh, well, one thing, by the way, is we are in the year 2020. God at this time, remember at the time of Abraham, uh, the knowledge of God had been completely cut off. He draws Abraham out of a, a family of idolaters. And since that time, he raises up the children of Israel and is slowly bringing, reintroducing man to himself. And all of it's going to end in the cross or culminate rather in the cross and the redemption of, of mankind through the blood of the cross. Uh, but th this is um, a barbaric time uh, that they're living in. Um, but uh, uh, it's important to, to, to keep in mind a, a, a couple things. And, and one is this. God had waited 400 years to do this judgment. 400 years. Because it had been 400 years when the Amalekites attacked the Israelites before. And God says, I'm going to judge these people. He gave them 400 years to repent. Now, ironically, that's the same as Genesis chapter 15 when God told Abraham, he said to Abraham at that time, I'm going to give you all this land, but it's going to be a while before I'm going to give it to you because it's someone else's land. And not until their sin has reached its fullest, the sin of the Amorites, am I going to give you the land. In other words, he gave them 400 years uh, to repent. Um, I think it's also worth um, understanding here that, you know, sometimes we hear uh, this analogy, which I think is helpful, that, that if there's a rabid dog, and what is a rabid dog? Uh, a rabid dog has in himself, there's something in a rabid dog, a, a disease that has marked them for certain complete destruction. And, and, and so if someone comes in and there's, there's a park, 
and there's children running around the park and a rabid dog runs in, no one's going to argue if someone comes in and shoots that rabid dog. There are, we see in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, from time to time, there's a group of people which is so utterly wicked that we're talking, you know, child sacrifice, just incredibly wicked uh, practices that they're toxic. Their very present is toxic to the people of God, meaning they're a danger to the ongoing, um, uh, you know, generations to, to to the descendants of the people of God. Remember that the the line of the Messiah is being preserved here in Israel, and so. Um, it, it's similar to that to the Malachites. It's important to remember also that the age of accountability in the Bible is, uh, is, is beyond infants and nursing infants, um, meaning all children, I believe the Bible teaches, that the, and, and most Bible commentators agree with this, all nursing infants go right to heaven when they die. Uh, it, 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 David, when his uh, child died after just, what was it? A number of days or weeks referred to the fact that he would see the child uh, some day. So um, there is that order here to kill the Amalekites here. And it says that Saul gathered the people together and he numbered them. And then verse 5 says, uh, he came to the city of the Amalek and he lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go depart. Get down from among the Malachites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So uh, uh, Saul is warning the Kenites. Who are they? Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, was a Kenite or related to them. They had helped Israel when Israel was coming out of Egypt. Remember, Jethro showed up with uh, his folks, and they, they, they greatly helped Moses um, at that time. And so, uh, as well as Jael, remember her? She was in the, she killed Sisera uh, with a tent peg uh, when uh, Deborah and Barak went and attacked um, uh, uh, Sisera in the book of Judges. But so he's telling him, look, get away from the Malachites. I'm going to destroy them. And then it says in verse 7, And Saul attacked the, uh, the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Whoa, what's that about? Why is he taking someone alive? He had just been told, listen, be careful. Don't leave anyone alive. He's taken the king alive. It says that um, also, uh, it's verse 8, let me just repeat that. He also took um, Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Now the now, so what we're gonna, what we're seeing here in Saul, is that again, when it comes to outward religious laws, he can do that. But man, when he sees 
some fat, juicy lambs. Ooh, wait a second. I, I, I got to figure out a way that I can keep those. And, and um, he, he's going to keep them, and he's going to make up excuses about that. Um, but in verse 10, this greatly grieved the Lord. It says, the, the, the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Now I'm going to close with, um, with, with that uh, verse um, and we'll pick up next week in verse 12. I love that verse. Uh, Saul's clearly turned away from the Lord. The Lord comes to, to Samuel and says, I'm rejecting him as king. And it says, it grieved Samuel. It, made, it says he cried out to the Lord all night. You know, that is the heart of a shepherd. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, if you want to be a son of God, be kind to the unthankful and, ev uh, and evil. And, and he's, he has a heart for this man. Remember in the previous chapter, remember he saw Saul when he was, was humble. And, and remember he had that dinner with Saul. And, and, he, he, it, 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 and it's just so important that, that your, your work for the Lord, folks, is not done with your heart disconnected from the people that you serve. If someone that, that, that you serve with rebels from, from the Lord and walks away from the Lord, man, you know, there have been times in the past where I'll say something like, well, if they want to serve the Lord, let them just go be judged. That's not the heart of the, that is not the heart of God. That's not the heart of Jesus. It says that Samuel cried out all night to the Lord. You know, I think of um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, the people of Israel had um, completely um, rebelled against God. God was going to judge them. And God said this to Jeremiah. He said, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards this people. And so that really makes me think, wow, how did Moses pray? Wow, how did Samuel pray? Well, this is how we prayed, right here. And this is why he's such a, uh, he, he's so well regarded in the eyes of the Lord for his intercession. He is a man who's grieving. It says, all night he cried out to God. By this man that when we read him, it's like, this guy, uh, this guy should be, we should just go up and whack him in the face. So, I mean, what kind of guy is this? Uh, it, that's not Samuel's response. He cried out all night. That is an intercessor. And uh, you know, one of the messages that I, I gave to um, I gave to the church in the last couple of weeks a, a reference to Ezekiel, where Ezekiel, God says to, to Ezekiel, look, I, I, I look for someone to stand in the gap for this country, but I could not find one. And, and um, I, I, you know, the Lord is asking, he, he, he's, 
he's really wanting folks to stand at the gap at this critical time in the history of the church of the United States. We're in the, we're, we're in the midst of this pandemic. Our city is closed down. Our country is closed down. I believe among many purposes the Lord has. He's calling people to stand in the gap. He's calling people to cry out all night like Samuel for this country. You know, we could just stand back and say, well, this country deserved what they got. They've been so evil for so long. Oh, God, smite them. No, that's not what Samuel did. 